Welcome to Now Let's Talk, the podcast, where Vanessa Corwin and Kathleen Kahn will be talking to people about the challenges they're experiencing because of the COVID pandemic. Hello, I'm Vanessa Corwin. And I'm Kathleen Kahn. The COVID lockdown stopped everything in its tracks, including some medical emergencies. Today's guest had a heart event that was affected by the pandemic. And I have to say that four years ago, I myself had heart surgery, and I met today's guest through Women Heart, a national organization for women living with heart disease. Meet Liza Levine from New York City. Liza, welcome, and thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So Liza, let's start by hearing your heart story. Now, you were on vacation in California uh, when you had to have heart surgery. Yes, I was. Um, I live in New York, and during COVID in the fall, uh, in November, I decided to come out to LA for Thanksgiving, really, and see some friends, stay just for a few weeks. And um, it was during that time that I had my heart event. I I like the word event. That's a good one. It was quite an event. Um, So COVID was raging at that point in Los Angeles. And I had just taken up pickleball with my friends. And I don't know if anybody knows what pickleball is. Everybody calls it tennis for fit older people. And it's a lot of fun. And I remember playing a game and winning, but being incredibly out of breath and thinking, oh, I got I to do more like cardio. I, I'm doing too much yoga. I need to, need to fix this. And then that proceeded just to get worse. I was very out of breath. I had a sinus headache. And I thought, you know, there, there, this, this looks like COVID and I got tested and it came up negative and it kept getting worse and worse. And I got four negative tests. So what looked like COVID wasn't COVID. And I ended up in several urgent cares. Finally, one of them sent me to the emergency room and I'll never forget because I just did not want to go to an emergency room. And she said to me in urgent care, Oh, don't worry. There's a whole non COVID part of the hospital. It was a zoo. It was horrible. Um, I actually ended up getting COVID from being in that emergency room. But during that emergency room, they did take an x-ray, saw pleural effusions in my lungs, which are not associated with COVID, but are associated with congestive heart failure. Now, what exactly are pleural effusions? From my understanding, it is, it is a fluid in the lung, but it's different from pneumonia and it COVID does not present that way. So everyone was pretty stumped. And I remember the emergency room doctor asking me if I'd been around any parakeets lately. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. So I'm like, no. And I'm like, it can't possibly be congestive heart failure. Look at me. And they finally, someone said, well, you should get an echocardiogram just to make sure. And I went to UCLA for that. But because I had tested positive for COVID at that point, even though I felt fine, except for the not being able to breathe part. When I walked in to UCLA, the people at the desk were like, oh, you tested for COVID too recently. It hasn't been a full 15 days or 14 days. We, we need to turn you away. And there was an older gentleman with a heavy Russian accent standing around. And he goes, you, I'm, I'm a technician. You wear a mask. I wear a mask. I do your cardiogram. And so he did. And I've had a heart murmur since I was a child that no one ever heard as an adult. Um, but when he was looking at the screen, I was kind of joking around saying, oh, do you, 
do you hear my heart murmur? And he said, no, I see it. And he turned the screen to show me and I could literally see my mitral valve, which I didn't even know it was then. It, it has these things called leaflets and they're supposed to go up, down in an organized manner. And they were just flying in the wind. My, my friend described it as, you know, those uh, blow up things outside a car dealership. That's what my heart valve was doing. And it's not supposed to do that. So even I knew that it was pretty, uh, I said, that can't be right. And of course, the technician is not allowed to say anything. But the doctor said, sent me to the doctor immediately, walked next door, saw the doctor. The doctor looked at me and said, this needs to be fixed immediately. But I don't know if I'll be able to get you a surgery, an operating room because of COVID. So um, I'm, he's like, okay, we should do this Tuesday, which, you know, we're five days later. He said, you know, fingers crossed, we'll get you in. So that there I was in the middle of the pandemic with the hospital full of COVID patients and me having to have open heart surgery. Liza, this is an amazing story. And thank God for that technician, number one. Exactly. Um, to uh, be kind and say, let me give her the test. Now, you wait, you had to wait five days to get the operation. Um, yes. So where were you in California? You were staying with friends or that had I, to be I, awful for you. It was, it was awful. And, and honestly, I, I, the only thing that got me through was a prescription for Ativan. I, I was very lucky. I was lucky in a lot of ways. But the surgeon um, is a very well-known surgeon. He's the number one heart transplant surgeon in, uh, I think, the United States. Um, And I just said, look, I can't, I mean, I can't believe I have to have this done. I kept saying, can't you do the one that Mick Jagger had where you go up my leg? And he's like, he just looked at me and went, no. This was also the day, by the way, of the Capitol riot. So on my phone, I'm seeing the downfall of America. And then I'm sitting in the office hearing that I have to have open heart surgery in five days, if I'm lucky, and the operating room is available. Wow. So yes, he gave me a prescription for Ativan, and that was the only thing that got me through the next five days. Now, were you by yourself in uh, California? No, at that point, my husband was there. That's right, my husband was there. Oh, mm-hmm. And he stayed- But I really wasn't thinking about him, to tell you the truth. No, but isn't it better to have somebody like your husband or friends to support you during this time after the operation? So once you had it, uh, where did you go? Yes. Uh, Back to the city, that's for sure. No, 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 no. We we actually had a place to stay, but that was also stressful because we hadn't, I mean, it was a tiny, tiny house that we hadn't planned on staying in for more than a few weeks. And so what was supposed to be a three-week visit turned into a seven-month stay. So it was a seven-month stay because uh, you were not yet uh, cleared to travel. I had a very uh, similar operation uh, to yours. I had the same condition, the mitral valve prolapse with Mm -hmm. regurgitation. So I Mm -hmm. had the same kind of surgery. And I know that it it took a while for me to get my, my energy, my strength back. Right, right. It definitely took me a while. I also had complications about, I can't even remember really, maybe six, eight weeks in AFib complications. And remember, it was still COVID and people weren't vaccinated yet. Yes. So nobody wanted me to get on a plane. And that was the other uh, stressful thing is we didn't know in the beginning, remember when there was no vaccine and people were like, 
fighting to get it and waiting in line. And well, that, that was me. I even had to fudge. I, I totally lied and said I was, um, well, I am an educator, but I said I was a certain kind of educator that they were letting go first. Um, but none of my, do- I mean, I was asking all my doctors if I should get it. And they're like, uh, maybe, you know, no one knew what effect it would have on heart patients. Wow. It was crazy. Oh, that's yeah. very interesting. So they, even though the vaccine started to come out, uh, they were not guaranteeing that this is something that you should have because of the- No, uh, no, I had one, one cardiologist tell me to wait because he just wasn't sure. And then one say, go ahead and get it. Um, it was crazy. So you just decided I'm doing it. I decided on doing it because everything was just so fearful. You know, I, I was just so fearful of everything at that time. No, I decided to do it. And I was glad I did, obviously. Oh, yeah. It was incredibly did. stressful. You absolutely did the right thing. No question. We, we oh. hear that, uh, and, and Vanessa could answer this too, I guess, uh, because you both went through this. I've heard that it is not uncommon for people who have had heart problems become depressed after yeah. the operation. Did that at all happen to you? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I was fine until the complication started. Right. Mm-hmm. Totally fine. And because I, because the actual surgery itself was apparently very successful only for the kind of prolapse and fluttering in the breeze, things I had repair is only possible 1% of the time. And the surgeon was very clear with me from the beginning. He said, you know, I'm going to try to repair, but you could also ha- end up having a replacement. So out right out of surgery, it was fine. But then at the, at the six or eight week point when AFib started and they couldn't figure out some other arrhythmias, I'm deeply depressed. And what has been now characterized as PTSD, which prior to this, I, I didn't exactly mock, but I didn't quite believe in it. And now, oh, I so believe in it. I mean, it's just such a visceral reaction. And uh, luckily I found a therapist, someone I'd worked with uh, before years ago for other things. Um, who was able to do that crazy rapid eye movement. Do you know about this for PTSD? Oh, no. Tell us oh, about that. Fascinating. So it was developed, I forget the name of the person, for war veterans experiencing PTSD. And for, I, I don't know how she discovered it, but, you know, in REM sleep, your eyes move back and forth, right? And it's, it's part, that's part of the process of the uh, the whole restoration part of that sleep. Well, it turns out that if you do those rapid eye movements while thinking of and channeling the part of the trauma that is triggering, you can lessen the effect that that trauma has. It is crazy. Again, I, w- I, I wasn't skeptical. Wow. Did that work so- for you? Totally, totally, totally. When you feel that you're going back to those emotions or feelings, do you follow this by yourself? No, it's different. You do regular talk therapy first to identify the quote triggers, but you identify those things that make you upset. For me, for example, right out of the hospital, I had to use a walker. And this is, you know, someone who has run two marathons, right? So when I used to think about my days in the walker, I would just in inconsolable tears, right? I couldn't even say the word walker. 
So through the, the EM at rapid eye, rapid eye movement, whatever the acronym is, um, my therapist would tell me to picture the walker and then she would literally move her. We had to do it on zoom, right? Can't even do therapy in person. She would pick, I know crazy. She would, um, move her finger back and forth that you follow with your eyes just for like literally three or four sessions of under 10 minutes. And it lessens the severity of your physical reaction to the image or the concept. That's wow. That's amazing. That one is different. (laughs) Yes, it is. It is. Now, when you got home and uh, obviously when your doctors uh, said you were ready, did you do cardiac rehab? Yes. Honestly, that was the only thing that kept me going because, um, I was stuck in LA. I was stuck in that house. It was tiny house. It was the pandemic and cardiac rehab was actually a a good 50, 60 minutes from my house and LA traffic is notorious, but I just remember being thrilled to be stuck in traffic. I'm getting out. I'm going somewhere. It really was. It it was great. And then the, the people are just so kind. Um, and they're very knowledgeable and, it's just a very uh, structured program of, you know, starting out on a treadmill, slow walking on a bike with a heart monitor the whole time. And the one I went to was it affiliated with Cedar sinai and they were um, really good, very professional. It was also very collegial. Everyone there had been through it. So that felt really good because I think it's super hard for people to understand who haven't been through it, just how big a heart event is in your oh, life. Huge. Yes, yes. I, I totally agree with you. And I have to say, uh, for me, I, I share your experience with cardiac rehab. That was the best thing that I did because my surgery also, it was a repair. And in my case, they were able to do the minimally invasive approach and there were no complications. I did have, as they called it in the hospital, um, an unspecified episode of AFib. Yep. Which it was that one time they put me on medication for it. I got home and I was recovering and doing all of this. And I too, very like yourself, an active person, not a marathon runner. <laughs> Uh, That's okay. Well, I didn't exactly run. I walked very fast, mostly. I would say in my case, more like a gym rat. Okay. So the idea of becoming active again, I really wanted to, but I had a lot of fear. Yes. And the cardiac rehab, that helped me so much. It gave me so much confidence that I could work out hard and I'm not going to die. I mean, yeah. that was the yep. fear, irrational though it was, but that's, so I- I, well, I don't think it's irrational. I don't think it's irrational uh, at all. I mean, you from know? what I'm hearing, it seems like it gave you back some control and that control is very important. Well, have, it's right? confidence. Yeah. I think. More than control, it's confidence that mm-hmm. you can do what you like to do and you're going to be good. Did you continue the rehab when you got back to the city, when you back, got back to New York? I actually finished. There's only, um, I forget how many weeks the program is, but it's a, it's a limited program. So I finished it in L.A. 
It's like six weeks or eight weeks or something like that. Yeah, it might be more. It depends on how often you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, yeah, because I went twice a week for, I don't know, maybe six weeks or eight weeks, some, something like that. I don't remember the exact. Um, right. I actually wanted to extend it. And I had a conversation about, like, can't I even just pay to go? And they're like, no, can't be done. <laughs> where I got my rehab, that option did exist. Oh, really? Yeah, it was at Mount Sinai. So Interesting. Now, for women that are out there, you two guys connected through an organization called Women Heart. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, Women Heart is a national nonprofit organization, and it helps women who are dealing with heart disease. And they have support groups. And uh, that's how I met Liza, because I am in a support group. And Liza came to one of our meetings. And uh, so that's how we hooked up. It's great. They, I mean, it helped me a lot because it's just good to meet other people who have similar experiences to yours, maybe not exactly the same. People maybe have similar experiences with medications and things like that. And and I learned a lot actually from being in this group and it became important to me to be able to give back, to be able to help other people in the same way the people in my group were able to help me. So yeah, Liza, you're so great to have in our, in our group. So um. oh, thank you. No, I'm really happy to be here. I, I agree with everything you said. I think it's so important. Um, I found another group first called Mended Hearts, um, which has been terrific. It all has to be over Zoom still, of course. Yes. And it, it is just so helpful to hear that other people have been through this. But I wanted to connect with well, I just wanted another one. I wanted more. I wanted more support. Okay. So I started looking and I found the Women Heart one, which I think is great that it's only women because it is, I think it's a different point of view. And I think it was a pandemic and I'm not blaming anyone, but when people were looking at my, you know, pleural effusions in my lungs and saying, well, it could be congestive heart failure, but then not sending me to a cardiologist, I, I can't you know, I'm thinking now, hmm, if I were a man, I'm wondering if they would have immediately assumed heart problems. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's, um, that's a very valid question. And uh, we know that there is a lot of bias in the healthcare community, where women are not acknowledged or treated in the same uh, way that men are when they present with symptoms that could be heart problems. So uh, while there are a lot of providers out there who are sensitive to it, there's still a lot of providers out there who are not. So I know that's one thing that Women Heart tries to do is they're into advocacy and uh, advocating also for the research community. A lot of the heart research that we have today really has been done mostly with men. And Mm -hmm. women are very underrepresented in the research community as well. So that's another thing that Women Heart does. They advocate uh, for that. It's womenheart.org. And uh, you can find them online there. They have support groups all over the country. So wherever you are, you can find um, a group. 
And um, Liza, the other support group that you're in, tell us again. Mendedhearts.org. Okay, mendedhearts.org, perfect. Mm -hmm. So that's another resource for everybody. And I'll mention another one, Adam Pick's heart valve surgery blog. I found it most helpful before my surgery, during my recovery, and I do still check in every now and then to give back. But we'll put all of these resources up on our website. What about uh, now that we're facing this new and very deadly variant? Are you experiencing other challenges because of this? You know, I... It, it has been insane. I, I work at a school and where all the adults are uh, required to be vaccinated. And we just today and three days ago had two fully vaccinated teachers test positive. So it's, it's just crazy. And I mean, you know, knock on wood, I'm sure they're going to be fine. One has no symptoms at all. And the other has like flu-like symptoms. But, you know, I wear a mask all day long, all day long probably like nine, 10 hours, but I'm also not willing to sit in my apartment all day. I, again, I just can't, I cannot do it. So I think at this point that everyone just has to make that their own personal choice of like, how much am I going to go out and live my life carefully until I hear otherwise? Because right now from what I personally am seeing is a lot of breakthrough cases, but people not getting super sick. And, you know, of course, there's always a worry that COVID affects heart, that major organs differently. And there was talk early on about how it might affect hearts. And again, I just, I, I can't sit in my apartment, you know? So I put on my mask and I go to work every day and I enjoy my job. I work with both kids and teachers, but it does give one pause, doesn't it? Indeed. And, and you're so right about, uh, you do have to live your life and that's, probably the best advice that my cardiologist gave me. She said, go out and live your life. And so that is obviously what you're doing. So thank you so much for sharing your experiences with us, Liza. This was awesome. An incredible story and experience that you've gone through. Oh, and one more thing. Do you have any advice to other people out there? Yes. If you have had to have this happen to you or or someone you love some cliches are so true right time heals all wounds it just takes time and when you're in the thick of it six months seems like forever but honestly at the six month mark I woke up and went oh I'm kind of a normal human again it does get better it really does Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear from you, so please send your comments and questions to info at nowletstalkthepodcast.com and check out our website at nowletstalkthepodcast.com. Stay safe, and we'll see you next time.